0: Our text this morning in First John, um, John talks about several reasons why God sent Jesus, and it says one of those reasons is that we might live through him. Baptism is a perfect picture of that reality, that through Jesus Christ, we were dead to sin, we're buried in Christ, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. We can live through Jesus, and so we have somebody coming this morning, Miss Elena. So Elena, if you'll come down here with me. Got it. There we go. All right. Come right up here. You want to stand up there so everybody can see you better? There we go. This is Miss Elena. Now, Elena, I want you to look out. I want you to see all those people, all right? And there's a lot of people traveling today. They're going to be watching you probably online through that camera, those are people who have loved on you and they've prayed for you, they've taught you upward, Awana, Sunday school, right? You also have some family here as well, right? So if our if your family would stand, we have mom and dad back here. Family, if you'll stand, if your family miss Elena, if you'll stand, so we can recognize you. That's awesome. That's awesome. You guys can be seated. So a lot of people have loved on you. So Elena asked Jesus Christ to come into her life back. In the end of last year, I think it was around Christmas time. And then COVID happened. And what we've seen over these last couple months, last couple weeks, is God really even working in her heart even more and, and kind of that light bulb continuing to come on as to not only has she given her life to Jesus, but what Jesus has actually done for her. And that's awesome to be able to see that. So, Elena, do you confess this morning before friends, uh, your church family, and family that Jesus is the Christ? And he is Lord and Savior of your life. Yeah. Awesome. All right, step back here with me. So based upon that profession of faith, if you put your hands up there, I baptize you, Elena, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome job, Ms. Elena. Praise God. Praise God. Man, that is so awesome, regardless of their age, to see them give their life to Jesus and follow him in believer's baptism. Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship together. Father, what a great way to start, Lord, our time of worship, of just this picture, Jesus, of what you have done for us. And we're going to talk about that this morning. God, that you loved us. Oh, Father, you loved us. You sent your only Son, your unique one and only Son Lord, to die for us, to die for our sins. He says, you first loved us, not that we first loved you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving Miss Elena. Thank you for those who have poured into her life, who have taught her, who have just shown her Jesus. Lord, just continue to pray for her as she continues to walk with you, that you'll use her in mighty ways. Lord, speak to us today as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm looking for my favorite pick, and I did not find it. So, we'll move on from there. Let's please stand as we're going to worship. I want to mention a verse this morning. This is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those who wait upon the Lord, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As we sing this, and I'll fly away. One, two, three, four. Some glad morning when sleep is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. Other's life have grown. i fly away like a bird from prison bars. Has flown. i fly away. Just a few more weary days And then I'll fly away To a land where joy shall never end I'll fly away I'll fly away, oh glory I'll fly away in the morning When I die, hallelujah, by and by Bye and bye. For me he died at Calvary By God's word at last my sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I spurned, Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary mercy and his grace was free, and there your pardon multiplied to me, and there my burden so found liberty at Calvary, for now I've given to Jesus every Now I gladly know him as my king, and now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Well there his mercy and his grace was free, and there your pardon multiplied to me. There my burning soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that true salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did spend at Calvary. Cause there his mercy and his grace was free There your pardon multiplied to me There my burden soul found liberty at Calvary mercy and your grace was free and there your pardon multiplied to me there my burden so found liberty at calvary there my burden so found liberty at calvary
0: Church, so glad that you were here to worship with us on this rainy fall Sunday. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord, Amen. Amen. And again, welcome. If this is your first time here, we're so thankful to have you. Uh, you are our guest, and we're delighted that you would come worship with us here in Northside. I know you have a lot of options, a lot of different churches in the area, and you chose to, to come worship with us. And so we're so thankful for that. Uh, you should have had a bulletin there in your seats. Um, if you'll do me a favor, one is, is read through that. There's a lot of good information in there. You know what, kind, what we offer, ministries that we offer. Uh, helpful, there's a calendar on the back. But also there's a little tab that you can fill out and tear off. It says, Welcome to Northside. Uh, we would really appreciate if you would take just a few moments to fill that out. There's a box out there um, in the foyer that you can place that in at the end of the service. You can give it to me, Pastor BJ. Uh, we just want to know how to better serve you, how to pray for you. And uh, just want to be able to, to love on you. And so, again, so thankful that, that you're here. Blessed to have Elena's family with us. Privileged to have you guys with us as well. And so that's so um, exciting. Um, let, me just, let me just pray for us. We don't have a prayer in the scripture this morning. But let me just pray uh, for us. And then we're going to continue uh, to worship. Father, it's good. So good to be in in your house. God, to be in your presence with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I believe that you have a word for us today. Lord, as we get to see who you are, your very nature is a God who loves us. And Father, maybe somebody is here this morning, and they're struggling with that. They're struggling with, does God love me? Struggling with just wanting to find love, wanting to find purpose, wanting to find meaning. And Lord, we see love in our text this morning. We see, Father, just how much you loved us, but how you first loved your Son Jesus. How you are a Father from the beginning who has been loving the son loving the spirit in this interpersonal relationship one god three persons and out of that father you have created us and you have showered us with love you sent your son to die for us and so we thank you for that but father we're also confronted with the reality that your love does not negate your wrath that we are sinners Sinners who will experience your full wrath if we do not turn and repent of our sins and put our faith in your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ, as Miss Elena has done. What a testimony, what an example she is for us. And Father, my prayer is that if there's anyone here today who has never done that, Lord, as they see how much you have loved them, what you have done for them, what you are offering them, that they would repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. Father, as we continue to worship you today. We are just so thankful for Calvary. So, thank, so thankful for the mercy that you, you poured out there and the grace that you showed, but also that Jesus Christ is that atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. So, Father, be glorified as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's continue to worship this morning.
2: Sing the- Oh. Stand again as we sing make me a channel of blessing <laughs> is your life a channel of-
0: children second grade and under, you can make your way out to Children's Church. Everyone else, if you'll remain standing in honor of the reading of God's Word and turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 7. This is what the Word of the Lord says. In my previous church, there was a, a couple who had both gotten saved on the same day a couple years before I got there to, to the church. And they were growing. They had a family. They were really involved. Uh, what, typically, what you see, you're saved and you get really involved. They're serving, they're helping out. Um, sweet couple, love them dearly. After I got there, they were still growing. And then I began to notice, as, as you often see, then begin to drift away. And I remember her making this comment. She said, you know, when I come, I feel like I'm hearing the same stuff over and over. And I thought, you must not know your heart very well because we're all prone to wonder. It's the reason we need to hear the same thing over and over and over because we're quick to forget it. And so they begin to kind of drift away. Once that mindset of, I've heard this before, there's really nothing new to learn, begin to take over. As you're reading through 1 John, your thought might be when you come to verse 7, John, we've heard this before. This is now the third time in this short letter that he takes up the subject of loving other people. The third time. And you're like, John, you just covered this in chapter 2. Pastor, you just preached on this a couple weeks ago in chapter 3. We're really going to talk about loving one another again? And the answer is yes, we are. He says three times in our verses. Verse 7, let us love one another. He says it again in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God if we love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Why in the world should we love one another? That's what John's going to focus on this morning. I want you to notice three things from our text. Number one, I want you to notice that God is love. God is love. His very nature is Is one of love. Look what he says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from who? God. The source of love is God. The source of love is God. For love comes from God. He continues Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is what? Love. So not only is the source of love God, but the origin of love is God. Love isn't just a gift from God. Love is who God is. His very nature is that He is a God of love. So I want to I get theological with you for a moment. And I want to ask you a question that you have maybe never thought of in your entire life. And here's the question What is God doing before creation? what is god doing before creation let me first lay the theological framework here that we see the trinity in these verses so look with me in verse 14 and we have seen and testified that the father that's god the father has sent his who son that's god the son so we have god the father sending god the son go back to verse 13 by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his what Spirit. That's God the Spirit. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So God is one God eternally existing in three persons. So just play along with me. How many gods are there? One. Has God existed for all eternity? Yes. How many persons? Three. One God in three persons who has existed forever and ever and ever. There was a time in which you were not. There was a time in which this creation was not. But God existed. So what was God doing before he created the universe? He was loving. Jesus says this in John 17, if you will turn there. This is really important for something that you and I need to understand when it comes to who we are as human beings. Verse 23. Jesus says, John 17, verse 23. I in them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them. That language of being sent, that appears in our text this morning. And love them even as you love me. Now watch this. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because, look what Jesus says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Before God spoke his creation into existence, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit existed. And Jesus said, you were loving me. So God is first and foremost not creator. He will be creator. But first and foremost, he is father. A father loving the son, Jesus Christ, from all eternity past. He has loved the son. God is love. He doesn't become love once He creates. He is love. God is also relational. So hear me. This is important. God did not create because He was lonely. God did not create because He was bored. By Himself, nothing to do. God didn't create you because He needed you. And in our narcissistic age today, you need to know... God didn't create you because he needed you. And God today doesn't need you. If God existed in perfection before he created, then what that means is anything he creates, he's not dependent upon. You're created. He doesn't need you. And he didn't start loving just because he made you. He has always loved from eternity past. So why then does he create If he's not lonely and has a need, then why does God create? Michael Reeves, in his wonderful book called Delighting in the Trinity, writes this, Jesus is the one eternally loved by the Father. Creation, then, is about the extension of that love outward so that it might be enjoyed by others. God creates, and then God saves so that the love the Father has for the Son might be known to you. God loves you, and he first loved the Son. And out of that love for the Son, he delights in sharing that love with people, and so he creates, not because you were necessary for his existence, but because he delights in loving, because that's who he is. Some people want to say God is love, and that's all that God is. But hear me. God's love does not negate God's wrath. God's love does not negate God's holiness. You cannot say, well, God is loving. I can live however I want. He loves me. No. It doesn't negate it. In fact, we see God in sending his son deals with this wrath, deals with sin. So God is love. It is who he is in his very nature. And he doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me, but yet he delights in us anyways, because that's who he is. Notice, secondly, God has loved us in Christ, and we begin to see this love revealed to us. If you look there in verse 9, let's break this verse down. In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was made known. It was revealed to us. John Stott writes, While the origin of love is in the being of God, the manifestation of love is in the coming of Christ. So God has always loved us, but we now see God's love manifested through his Son, whom he has loved for all eternity as the Son comes. We continue, verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent. Sent. That Greek word is apostello. It means to cause someone to depart for a particular purpose or mission. The one, the Son, who has always existed in relationship with the Father is sent. He is sent. That word sent appears in the perfect tense. It means, as John is writing this, he is talking about how Jesus was sent in the past. His first coming had already happened. He'd already lived, died, and was raised from the dead. It happened in the past, but it has ongoing implications for us today. The fact that God sent his son still impacts us today. And look what else he says. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son. You may want to underline that word, only. The Greek word there is monogenes. Some translations interpret it begotten. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't know if begotten is the best way to interpret that word. I think a better translation is only. He is the only son. It speaks of his uniqueness, that He is the one and only Son. It was not as if God had ten sons up in heaven and said, hey, I'll give you one because I have nine more. He had one Son, the only Son, the unique Son, the very Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. He was the best there was to give. And God sent Him at the perfect moment in history. At the right moment, God sent the Son. So hear me. The God who is love is the Father who sends the Son whom he loves. Why does God send his only Son? He gives us three reasons here in these verses. We see there in verse 9 in this, The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that. Why? Number one. So that we might live through him. The mission of Jesus, the reason he came, John tells us, is so that he might give life. So that we might live through him. Why? Why do I need life? I mean, I'm living and breathing right now. Why do I need life? And the reason I need life is because I was dead. The only reason you would need life, the only reason Jesus would need to come to give life is if he was giving life to dead people. So what scripture says. For we were dead in our sins and trespasses. For the wages of sin is what? Death. We were dead. And so Jesus comes so that dead people might have life. He came so people like Elena, who was dead in sins, might now live through Jesus. So people like me, who is dead, might now live through Jesus. You, hear me, not only are you not necessary in that God didn't need you to, to fulfill something in his life. He didn't need you, but also you had no life apart from him. No life apart from him. So how? How do we have life? This is interesting. We have life because Jesus died. You can have life because God the Father sent the Son who died so that we may have So that's the first reason he sent. Verse 9 says that we might live through him. There's a second reason, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And here's that language. Sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, it's probably safe to say that you did not use the word propitiation in your conversations this past week. At the breakfast table this morning, if you were able to gather, you probably didn't throw the word propitiation out there. It's not a word we use a lot in 2020. The Greek word for propitiation is halosmos. Your translation may say atonement. That's a word we would use more often today, or atoning sacrifice. Lao and Nida defines this Greek word halosmos, translated propitiation, as the means by which sins are forgiven. Our sins, your sins, my sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice. He is the propitiation for our sins. This means that God's wrath, which was going to be poured out on you, Because he created you, made you, and you rebel against him as Adam and Eve did, you turn your back on him, you curse him, you want nothing to do with him, you are now dead in your sins, and because you're dead in your sins, your sins need to be judged. The wrath of God was going to be poured out upon Aaron Hornsby and would have been poured out on Aaron Hornsby had Jesus Christ not come. Had the Father not sent the Son to be the atoning sacrifice for my sins. So hear me, when Jesus is dying on that cross, all of your sins are placed upon Jesus and He's condemned for it. He's judged in that moment. All of God's wrath that was meant for me is poured out upon the only unique Son. Because he is the atoning sacrifice. And he has turned away God's wrath. How does Jesus do this? By dying, yes, but also by shedding his blood. Hear me, church. God sent his only son to die. That's why he came. Was to die. Not primarily to live, though he lives a perfect sinless life. Not primarily to teach, though he's the greatest teacher to ever walk on planet earth. Not just to be an example, though he sets a perfect example for us. But he sent him to die. To die for who? Look what he says in verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our what? Sins. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners you were sinful hear me not only were you not needed in that if you were to die right now god's not up in heaven going oh my goodness what am i going to do i was dependent upon aaron god didn't create you because he was lonely or needed anything and also hear me god did not save you because you were lovable God didn't save you because he saw you and thought, man, what a lovable young lady she is. Just so wonderful, so sweet. Her grandma was just the best. I'm going to save her because of something in her. No, look what it says. In this is the love, not that we have loved God. No one can say, I first loved God. And therefore, God didn't love me. No, left to ourselves, no one would ever love God. No one would ever seek God. Why? Because we're not lovable. We're wretched sinners. And yet, God sends His only Son. To be the propitiation for our sins. And then there's one more if you drop down to verse 14. And we have seen and testify, or John's an eyewitness of this, that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. How does He do this? How does He save us from our sins? Well, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was without spot, without blemish, without any stain, takes away the sins of the world. Why? Because we were lost and in need of a Savior. God doesn't send the Son to be the Savior if there's no one who needs to be saved. Like, why would He do that? There's no one that needs to be saved. No, God sends Jesus to be the Savior because we needed a Savior. God has revealed His love to the world, right? He sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The world here, referring to those in rebellion to God, we were all in rebellion to God, and He sends His Son for the world. So, so let me recap. God didn't create you because he was lonely. Jesus didn't come to die for you because you were lovable. Jesus didn't give you life because you deserved it. Jesus didn't come to save you because you were a good person or because you first loved him. No, hear me. I am unworthy. I am undeserving. I was unlovable. I was a wretched Sinner who deserved hell. And yet, God still sent His only Son for me. Church, that is good news. Amen. That is the best news. That is what the world needs to hear more than anything else. Is Yes, this is who you were because I was there, but God sent His Son for you. Yes, you are in the midst of sin now. Yes, you are living in rebellion to God now, but there is hope through Jesus because God the Father sent His only Son. If you would just believe in His name. Oh, we see the love of God for people, for Jesus, his son supremely, for us, his creation, all over these verses. And then notice, thirdly, God continues to love in and through us. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Notice what John says, no one has ever seen God. No one while living on this earth has seen God. Danny Aiken summarizes it well. No man has seen God in his unveiled essence, glory, and majesty. Anyone who saw a vision of God will simply sing a theophany. Moses got to see the back of God. Maybe that's the closest anyone has come. But if you and I were to see right now God in his glory, in his essence, in who he is, you would die in a second. Maybe not even a second. Because we as sinners cannot see God in all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his holiness. So if God cannot be seen, then how can he be known? Well, John 1.18 tells us. It says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus comes, God comes in the flesh, and Jesus makes the Father known. Jesus points us to the Father. We say, well, wait, Pastor. When I go out to lunch today, Jesus isn't going to be physically with me. Jesus won't be physically with me at work tomorrow where I can say, hey, boss, this is Jesus. He loves you. He was, but now he's at the right hand of God the Father. So if Jesus is no longer here physically among us, how in the world will people see the love of God? Through you. That's how they see the love of God. That's what John says. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Achan goes on to write, he can be seen, however, in the lives of those who demonstrate his love to others. When we love others, we are a visible picture of the love of God to the world. This is what what Jesus said, and John was in the room when Jesus said it. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I love what John Stott says. He says, no one who has been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed there can go back to a life of selfishness. No one who has seen Jesus Christ and what he has done for him and has believed in that and repented of their sins and come to put their faith in Jesus, no one can go back to living a life of selfishness. God's love, you'll notice this on the screen, God's love is to be reproduced in us. How are men and women who do not yet God to know Him? How are they to come to know Him? And the answer is when you love them. This is why I believe John keeps harping on why we love one another because it is through your loving them that they will come to know God through your loving them you hear people say and I don't know if I love the saying or not you may be the only Jesus somebody ever sees you may be the only Jesus, the only example, the only one who will, who will live for Jesus and love like Jesus that a lost person may ever see. You might be that one shot to point them through your loving them as to who God is. Now, is it always easy to love other people? No. Why? Because some people are not easy to love. You may be one of them. I don't know. Right? They, they make it very, very difficult. Right? You may feel, you know what, that person's unworthy of my love. That person's undeserving of my love. Look at the, the way they treat me, the way they've talked about me, right? What they believe, what they think is so far from what I think and believe. They're not worthy of my love. But, church, this is where the truth of the gospel begins to transform our hearts because God so loved you when you weren't worthy, when you were unlovable, when you were difficult. When you ran from him like Jonah. When you decided, I'm going to live for myself rather than the one who created me. When you rebelled against him, yet God loved you. Therefore, you also ought to love that difficult person. But how? How can we love them? Verse 13. God will not call us to do what he does not equip us to do. Verse 13. By this we know that if we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Through the Spirit of God that you receive at the moment of salvation, you can now love other people. I read this week about a man who described himself this way. He said, I was a a womanizing man. I would get drunk. I would fight people. That's who I was. By his own admission, he described himself as a wicked man. And then the Spirit of God got a hold of him. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ, his son. Who was not a believer at the time, began to notice a major difference in his dad. And here's what he said about his dad. It's like my father has a new man inside of him. Truer words have never been spoken. That son just didn't know what he was talking about. But what he actually was talking about is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Church, hear me. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're not the same man. You're not the same woman you once were. You have been changed. And one of the things the Spirit of God wants to do in you is to transform you so that you begin to love other people. And in your loving other people, you point them to Jesus Christ. Hear me. What do Your family members, your lost boss, your lost employees, the lost lady at Kroger, the the person who is on the opposite side of you in the political world, the person that just drives you crazy, what do they need more than anything else? Listen, God didn't need you, but you need God. They have the same need that you have, and that is a relationship with God that comes only through Jesus Christ. That's what they need. More than anything else. Yes, you can share your opinions on where you stand on certain things. Yes, you can post on Facebook if you want. Yes, you can bring up these conversations. You can talk about sports. You can do those things. But at the end of the day, what they need is Jesus. And you cannot hear me jeopardize a relationship over something petty, something worldly, when, when that relationship needs to be ongoing because what they need is Jesus. That means name-calling, like ridiculing people, like abandoning people. Like when you do that, you cut off the relationship. So, so let me close this way. This is my prayer. My prayer is that what God is doing in America is he's about to unleash a spiritual awakening here. That's my prayer. We have people by the millions who are running into all sorts of sin that was simply unspeakable 20 years ago. 100 I mean they I don't know if they ever talked about it centuries ago. Like it just wasn't acceptable behavior. And now we have a world that is living in all sorts of sin and what I believe is going to happen is at some point Those people who are looking for love in all the wrong places, serious moment, I had to throw that line out there, I'm sorry, but looking for love in all the wrong places, at some point they're going to realize their brokenness. They're going to realize their emptiness. And I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is going to convict them. And in that moment, as the Spirit of God convicts them, and as they begin to think about who knows Jesus Who can I go talk to that will tell me about Jesus? I hope they'll say, hey, I can go see her and I can go see him. And they'll come see you because you have modeled for them what it looks like to love Jesus and what it looks like to love them. But if you allow something petty to divide you and you hurt them, over something petty and worldly i'm going to tell you the last person they're going to go to is someone who called them names the last person they're going to go to is someone who yelled at them because their political beliefs were different or the way they thought about jesus was different they're not coming to you you just better hope there's somebody else they know and they'll go to them Look, you and i don't have a choice we don't have a choice We have to love others. Why? Because when we love them, we show them God. And that is their greatest need. And so, man, who in your life... I just want to close this way again. We've talked about love a lot over the last several weeks. And hopefully there's something new that encourages you or challenges you today. I don't know if John talks about love anymore. Well, a little bit next week, again. But, again, it's important. So, who in your life needs Jesus? Who in your life needs Jesus? And how are you showing them the love of the Father? And, look, if you haven't been... Not only do you need to ask God to forgive you, but you need to go to them. And you need to say, look, I'm supposed to love you as God loves me, and I have failed you in that, and I'm sorry. You need to model for them what repentance looks like so that that relationship, the communication will stay open so when they come to a point where they need to repent, they know who they can come to for hope and for answers. So who can you pray for? Begin to pray for them. Who's difficult in your life to love? Man, begin to cry out, Spirit of God, change me. Help me to love that difficult person. And if you are the difficult person to love, then you need to pray, God, forgive me and change me. And the last, let me say this. But Do you know the love of God the Father? Have you ever confessed your sins, repented of your sins, turned from your sins, and taken hold of the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Listen, you may be here this morning and say, man, I'm looking for love. I've been looking for love. And I've turned every which way to find love, but there's one place you haven't turned. And that's to the Word of God. And that is to God the Father who is love and who sent his only Son so that you might be saved, so that you might be forgiven, so that you might have life. Will you believe in the name of Jesus? If you've never believed in the name of Jesus, will you give your heart and your life to him as Miss Elena has done recently? Will you do that? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Let me just lead us in a time of prayer and then we'll close our service with some announcements. And then, and then we'll be finished right there where, where you are. Would you, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ... Maybe the Spirit of God right now is working in you, and you're feeling convicted. Maybe your palms are starting to sweat, and you're thinking, man, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening right now. Listen, that's the Spirit of God once again through His grace trying to communicate to you that you need to repent, that you need to turn from your wicked ways, that you need God, that you need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. This morning, would you right there just humble yourself and confess, Father, I turn from my wicked ways. I confess that I am unlovable, that I am unworthy, that you would send your Son to die for me. But today is a turning point, Father. I'm confessing my sin and I'm turning from my sin. And I ask you, Jesus, to be Lord, to be Savior of my life, to give me life, abundant life, eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins, for taking the wrath of God upon yourself so that I might be made right with you. God, save me. If you would just cry out right now, God, save me, God will save you. He will save you. Whoever confesses with their mouth or whoever believes in their heart, if you'll confess that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Right now, he will save A wretch like you, like he saved a wretch like me, but you must turn to him. Father, I pray your word, Lord, was encouraging to us, that it was convicting to us, that it might, Lord, not return void. That if somebody needs to be saved, Spirit of God, that you will just bring them to, to repentance. And then, Father, I pray that you will help us. Help your church, oh God, I pray. Lord, I confess there are times that I do get frustrated with the lostness around us and the direction that the world is heading. But, God, the reality is lost people are going to act like lost people. Unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers do. The reality, God, and where the real frustration should lie and where we should really begin to pray for change, oh God, is when we see the church not acting like the church, but rather acting like the world. When we see believers who are filled with hate and racism and filled with just, just so much bitterness and anger and we're ridiculing and putting people down. When believers act that way, Lord, that ought to really break our hearts. And Lord, if I'm guilty of that, wherever I'm failing to love, wherever I'm failing to show the love of Christ, God, help me. God, would you help me, would you help us to be as bold as the young girl in our church was last Sunday who went out to eat with her family. And she's the one that spoke up and said, hey, how can I pray for you? God, give us the boldness of children. Give us that childlike faith. That we would see needs and begin to love on people and share Christ with them and pray for them. Oh God, today, wherever we go, may people see Jesus in us. May we be so filled with the Spirit that we can't help but overflow. Because God, there are people that you have loved and there are people that you are about to save. And you're wanting to use us to proclaim the gospel to them. May we be faithful in that. God, we love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 But if you made a decision this morning to follow Jesus, or maybe you rededicated your life or repented and and, and want to walk with the Lord, if you just need prayer, look, I'm available. Pastor BJ is available. Curtis is available. You can, if you're, Sunday school teacher, I mean, you can just find somebody and say, hey, this is the decision I made. Will you pray for me? Will you encourage me? We want to do that um, today. A couple announcements I want to draw your attention to, three really quickly. Uh, Number one, you'll see that there's an announcement in there about Rebecca. Rebecca Haddon is Donna Black's sister. Uh, She is in the process of of going to Central Asia uh, to to spend three years as a missionary. She came here uh, and spoke earlier in the summer. There's a way for you, an easy way... And if you don't know how to do it, find somebody younger who knows how to do it. Um, Like like a teenager, they will know how to do it. Uh, You can scan this little barcode and it'll pull up a little form on the internet, three questions. You can sign up for her newsletter. You'll get emails on a monthly basis or however often she sends them out. And you can better know how to pray for her. Um, An announcement about our Thanksgiving lunch. I know that's exciting, isn't it? Amen. We are going to do a Thanksgiving lunch. Now, it will look different to all of you, but it'll look normal to me because it's the first year for me. So, um, it is, it's Sunday, November 8th, so mark your calendars. We're going to be eating outside. We, we've got a tent, uh, one tent we, we, we've ordered, we're going to set up so we can probably get about 100 people under that tent. If it's a beautiful day, the rest of us will just sit outside and if it's a wet day then the rest of us will sit inside but we'll be able to spread out socially distance, so doing the best we can to keep each other safe the the food's going to be a little bit different it's still going to be awesome and delicious uh, and we'll give you more details about that as it gets closer but it's not going to be bring whatever you want there's going to be certain items that we'll ask you to bring and then that morning when you come you'll fill out a little menu and you'll just go through get it to go box or In a way, you can just go right outside and eat. We're still going to have desserts, and so you'll eat good, and the fellowship will be great, um, and you'll hear more about that going forward. One other announcement, there are no activities tonight, um, so it's it's fall fall break weekend, and so you can have the the, the afternoon off, gives our teachers a chance to kind of get away and just to rejuvenate and refresh to to finish out the rest of, of this year. Man, God's good, amen? Man, he is so good. Man, God loves you. And he loves you in Jesus Christ. I mean, we want you, whether you're here or watching online, we want you to know Jesus and the love of God that comes through Jesus. If you'll stand, Chris is the deacon of the week this week, so he's going to come and close us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us, though we don't deserve it. I pray we would uh, help us to love you more, Lord, uh, in word and, and what we think and what we do. Help us to love others and neighbors so we'd show forth your love to others, Lord, in our our daily walk and witness. And I pray, Lord, you keep us safe, those traveling. Pray you bring them back safely to us. We ask these things according to your will and in Jesus' name. Amen.